You know, um, we all have three kind of promise people in our life. Thank you, Mikey. And uh, we have people in our life who make promises, and um, we know that's probably not going to happen. Don't we have those? And then we have people in our life that they make promises like, you can take that to the bank. We have those. And then we have folks in our life where they make promises and their intention is really well. But the fact is, it's kind of a 50-50 proposition. We all kind of have those people in our life. And the reason we do, before you're too harsh on them, the reason that we do is that we're human. Humans have the ability to uh, write checks that we can't deliver at times, even with the best of intention. But God's promises are uniquely different because he is not human. God makes promises that are kept in the near future and at times kept in the distant future. You see, God doesn't measure time the same way we do. When, when we make a promise, it's usually assumed or attached with time deadlines. It's like we make a promise and we'll say, yes, I'll do that. And then when you don't do it, if the assumption is that means right now, then you've blown it. Are you with me? God makes promises, but they're always on his timing, not our time. And that's a big difference. You've heard me say for 10 years around here that God doesn't fit in my Apple watch because what happens on that watch is I keep time. But God keeps timing. And so when he does that, his promises happen in his timing. Sometimes they're fulfilled in these wonderfully profound and eternal ways that we can teach about for decades. On on the other hand, they, they are fulfilled in the little things that happen day by day by day in us, around us, for us, through us. But oftentimes we miss those promises because we're busy doing everything else. But here's the certainty that happens in the Bible that sometimes and often, very often, one of God's promises leads to more promises. Now, to do that, it's the recognition that Jesus is coming, that we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, coming to earth. Jesus is coming, leads us to more Christmas promises from God. And so what we find is that it's wonderful that we celebrate the coming of the Christ child, but it's even more special that we can celebrate the fulfilled promises that come with him. So today, our teaching is in a space that doesn't feel very Christmassy. But when I read this text, I couldn't get past the fact that there's no greater Christmas message than the promises of Christmas. But I believe they're found in the Old Testament prophet when he writes in the book of Micah chapter 5. And in Micah chapter 5, in the first five verses, let me kind of give you a backdrop of what's happening here. The people of Israel are at war. And Micah being a prophet, and to give you an idea, an Old Testament prophet, the way that would be described is this is a man of God who hears from God and God uses him to speak truth to the people of Israel. Now, it's important if you're new to the Bible to kind of get this overarching picture. The Bible is comprised of 66 books, okay? They're split into two parts. The greater, the the longer part is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament basically tells the story of the creation of the world, 
and then the ongoing saga of how sin entered the world and the people of Israel. So God created the heavens and earth. God created man and woman. Man and woman allowed sin to enter into the world because God only gave them one rule and they couldn't keep that. And before you're too harsh on them, we couldn't have either. All right? And so they took a power trip and they went into that sinful world. And since that day, from going all the way back to creation, all the way through today, that's how we live in a sin-filled world and why you and I are sin-filled, selfish people. I, you're saying, but I'm a pretty good guy, Chuck. I totally agree. Well, Chuck, I'm a pretty good gal. I bet you are. Okay? But it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that the scriptures say that all of us have come short of God's perfection, meaning we've all sinned. All right? Like today, I'm probably ahead of most of you in my sin. All right? And so you get there. And you say, if the Old Testament is the ongoing story and saga of the people of Israel, why the people of Israel? Well, Jesus came into this earth, into a Jewish family, into the people of the Jews. You say, well, why? That was God's choice. And so that was fulfilling prophecy that had come from other prophets in the Old Testament. Micah is speaking specifically here while his nation is at war once again, because you've got to remember in that time in which this would, would have been written, we know that this was a warring, barbaric country. Where they lived in, they stayed at war. Here, it's with the Assyrians. And in that case, what we find is that the Old Testament tells the same story that's happening in our life, except for one big difference. Then comes the New Testament. The New Testament launches off with the first four books of the New Testament, being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, known as the Gospels. The reason they're known as the Gospels is they tell the story of the birth, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus the Lord. In that story, it sets up the rest of the New Testament that tells the story of men and women who have chosen to become Jesus' followers and what happens to the world thereon, including today. So to get the picture of why Micah is giving this word, he's an Old Testament prophet that's heard directly from God, and he's giving the word of God to the people of Israel. Now, you could say at that point, well, Chuck, why would the Old Testament matter than if the New Testament is about the saga of life with Christ and where I'm at today? Because every single word from Genesis through the book of the Revelation has been divinely inspired from the Spirit of God to the hearts of men to be able to capture God's Word, all right? So Micah has a word not just for the people of Israel, but Micah has a word for the people who are now followers of Jesus. Now watch this, because the people of Israel in the Old Testament were the people of God. Now watch this, and in the New Testament, those of us who have chosen to follow His Son, the Lord Jesus, we now are the people of God. If you're with me, nod with me. Are you with me? Now watch this. You could say, well then Chuck, does that mean Micah's word to the people of God is equally relevant today to me as a follower of Jesus as it was to the people of Israel and then? And the answer is absolutely. So listen to what he says. Remember, they're at war. Mobilize, marshal your troops. The enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. Now, you might stop and say, okay, but is there something important about it being Jerusalem? And the answer is yes. Okay, this is the home. This is the home place. This is, this is like, uh, this is central to the Jewish faith, Jerusalem. And he's saying not just a city is under siege, 
but the way that we worship our Lord is under siege. It, the whole thing is up for grabs. And he says, the enemy is laying siege to Jerusalem. They will strike Israel's leader in the face with a rod. Okay, so it, you want you to get how graphic he's saying. A rod being something that you, like a walking stick, but you would also use it if you were a shepherd to prod and poke, all right? And so I want you to imagine that somebody takes that rod, and when they take that rod, they, they're swinging it like a baseball bat to someone's face. Micah's getting exceptionally graphic here saying, the world is attacking the, the leader by taking a rod and swinging it like a baseball bat. And then you might say, then who is this leader? Well, we're about to find out. Verse 2 says, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Where's Judah? We're talking about the people, the Jewish people, talking about their nation. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past. All right, do you remember me saying about having promises that are kept distant future? Well, Micah's saying that the leader of Israel that is coming for you, his origins are in the distant past. You might say, well, how far back is the distant past? And the answer to the distant past is creation. If you go all the way back to the creation, what we know is that according to the Gospel of John and the creation story, that the word was there. The word was with God. And you could say, so in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus is God. And so Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Micah is saying, don't miss this, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. In other words, you're a nowhere place in the middle of nothing, yet a ruler of Israel, Jesus, whose origins exist from the creation of the world, will come from you on my behalf. And the people of Israel, now wait a minute, on my behalf, so is this Micah speaking or is this Micah speaking what God has told him? So who is it on the behalf of? Isn't this a great question? It is on behalf of God, the Father. Now watch this. God the Father, creator and sustainer. God the Son, Jesus, redeemer and savior. God the Holy Spirit, the keeper and holder and teacher. Now watch this. So are you saying, Chuck, there are three gods? No, I'm saying there's three parts to one God. You've heard me say this before. An apple has a, uh, has a core, has the meat, and has the, the, has, has the what's that stuff on the outside called? Skin. Yeah, that stuff, skin. And so, you know, you got to finish these. Too many Diet Cokes. And so uh, the challenge here is for us to wrap our head around the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one God. But God the Father looks at the world and knows, wait a minute. They need a representative. They need an advocate on their behalf on my sake because it's a sin-filled world. It's a selfish world. It's an angry and it's an evil world. And they can't be with God in his perfection because to be with God is to be in perfection and to be around perfection and be perfect. But in our human state, that couldn't happen. So God the Father looks to God the Son and says it's time. So God the Son leaves heaven and comes to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, 
wrapped in human skin and came to us as a baby and he came on behalf of God the Father. Are you with me? Can you see how the skin and blood and, and, and all of this comes together in such a unique and wondrous way? And it says in verse 3, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Who's the woman? Mary. What birth? Bethlehem. Wait a minute. The same one that's told by this, this prophet Micah? Hundreds and hundreds of years ago? Absolutely. Now listen, this is interesting. Then it says, then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to own their own land. In other words, they can leave the picture of slavery to freedom. How? In Christ. Okay, well, so what Micah is saying is one day Christmas is coming to a people that have no idea what Christmas is. Now we know that. We know what Christmas is. But I'm not sure we all understand what Christmas came for. So verse 4 says, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed. That doesn't sound like us, does it? I mean, I don't know about you. I live disturbed constantly. I mean, all you have to do is try to drive from your house to the mall of Georgia sometime between now and Thursday and you will be disturbed. If you turn on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or any other news channel, you will be disturbed. If you listen long enough to the fish, you will be disturbed. Only because that silly song, Christmas Shoes, is going to play. And that greatly disturbs me. But now listen to verse 5. And he will be the source of peace. So when Jesus dies, when Jesus is buried, when Jesus is risen from the dead, he goes to see his disciples and the first thing he comes to deliver them is he says, I've come to give you peace. Let me go back to where we started. Every soul needs to find a place of peace. Every soul, every mind, we all need peace. Without peace, we are never going to make good decisions, much less godly decisions. But when we do find peace... We are building healthy relationships and making solid decisions. And he'll be the source of our peace. Israel is under attack and God is promising to restore her. In verse 2, he comes from one of the smallest towns in all of the clan among one of the smallest tribes in all of Israel. And I want us to focus on the fact that the promise of a Savior, Jesus, means that God gives us three huge promises as God's people. So every promise is true for you when you choose to follow Jesus, which then allows you to be a joint heir or a brother and sister with Christ, meaning God's children. Have you ever heard somebody, uh, some preacher or some talk show host, somebody say, we're all God's children? No, we were all created by God, but we're not all God's children. We become God's child when we choose intentionally to be a part of God's family. At that point, he adopts us. The lady in the story of the New Testament that comes up and she says she has enough faith to reach out and touch the hem of his garment to cure her ailment, Jesus turns around and looks at her and calls her daughter. Why would he do that? As God, he looks around and he says, I've adopted you. When you say yes to Jesus, God adopts you into his family. You sit at the big boy table from now on and you become a part of the family of God. You say, well, but Chuck, I was born into a Christian home. Well, if you were born into a bakery, would, be, you, would you be a donut? <laughs> no. 
But, you know, we make that choice to become a part of the family of God. Promise number one is this, that Jesus will be our shepherd. In Micah chapter 5, he says that this Savior that's coming will come to lead us. A shepherd is a leader of sheep. Throughout the scripture, sheep in the Bible are us. We are the sheep. The challenge with being sheep is that sheep are not very bright. Sheep will go off the range. Sheep will choose to do their own thing. Sheep will forget where they've come from and who is protecting them. Not everyone wants to be led, though, until we're brought to our limit. You know what? We have people that come in our church every day, and we're grateful that they trust us with it. And I I pray they'll continue to come in so we can serve them. But there's never been a soul that walked in our church and said, I have great need. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my water bill. I've got a child. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I know I'm going to need that help three weeks from now. Because every person that comes in says, I've got this problem and it was due yesterday. Because none of us seem to turn to God until such time as we have to. In the highlands of Scotland, sheep would often wander off to the edge of a cliff and there there are kind of like stair-step cliffs there. And so a sheep would might be here where the shepherd has that flock and a sheep would get over there, look down and see this small patch of sweet grass and literally jump as much as 10 or 12 feet off the cliff onto that patch of grass. And they would only be there so they could eat. Now watch this. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lets me lie down in green pastures. Now the reason he would allow you to lie down in green pastures is that he could promise the sheep you're always going to have food. I'm always going to care for you. But sheep are just dumb. So wherever they're at, they eat like there's never going to be tomorrow. Now what's that a picture of? The picture is the sheep, being us, will jump off the cliff to find what we think we need, even though it's not safe for us. And even though it's not what the shepherd has for us, and that sheep will jump off the cliff and they will land right there and they'll begin eating. Now you could say, well, why doesn't the shepherd just jump off and go get them? Because if that, if that shepherd tried to grab the sheep at that point, that sheep would literally fight him to the degree that they would probably fall off the cliff and die. So the shepherd leaves them there. And you say, well, see there, that's how God treats me. He just left me there. Oh no, wait a minute. The sheep will continue to eat that patch of grass until such time as there's no grass left. And once that's done, that sheep will start bleeding, not bleeding, but bleating, crying out for help. And you you can hear it. Don't make me do that a third time. Can any of y'all make that noise? I knew somebody would do it. Nobody on the front row did that. Neil, you didn't do that. You want to try it? If that wasn't a Yankee band, I don't know what was. That sounded just like a Buffalo, New York, like Bills. And so if you didn't get that, it's okay. It's okay. The shepherd, when they hear that sheep bleeding, will tie a rope around them, secure it with a rock or tree, jump off the cliff down to get that sheep, put them on their shoulders and hold one hand around those feet and then climb back up that sheer cliff to put that sheep back into safety. But not until that sheep asks for it. You know why? Because we the sheep will fight for it our way. Because we want life on our terms. But watch me. The gift of peace 
is there for the asking, but it is not going to be forced upon you. You choose. Sometimes I feel like I'm the sheep that has jumped off the cliff and I've eaten my fill, but then I look around and think, where do I go now? There's nowhere to go. And what I say is, oh God, do something. And all the while he said, you know, I had you in safety. There's food for you tomorrow. If you stay with me, you can lay down and rest in green pastures because that's where I've got peace for you. And all the while, I'm jumping off cliffs. That sound mildly familiar? Why don't they go down there and get the sheep first? Because they know those sheep would fight it. That's the way it is with us. We don't return to God until we have no friends or we've lost everything. Maybe you're a wanderer like I am. Prone to wander. That's, that's the story of my life. It's the story of the people of Israel. It's the story of why Jesus came. The good shepherd will bring you back the moment you've given up on trying to lead yourself. The good shepherd will save you when, you're, when you try to stop saving yourself. And, and when you're willing to let him lead you and save you. When, when you surrender and just say, okay, Jesus, I, I'm giving it all to you. That, that's when peace comes. But not until. You've got to let him be your good shepherd. Jesus came into the world to be your good shepherd. Secondly, he came because we can live in security. If ever there's been a time when we wonder about living in security, it's now. I mean, look at us. We're at church. We're in mass, for goodness sake. I mean, I understand the why, but, but honestly, it breaks my heart. Because I look at this and I just think, wait a minute. What, what is wrong with this messed up world? This promise of security can hit pretty close these days. But our fear often cripples us, and every single person deals with it. Because here's what I know about every person, starting with this guy right here. We all have some degree of insecurity somewhere in our life. And if you say, not me, Chuck, I'm formidable, then you're a formidable liar. <laughs> because every human I know has got, in, has got this great insecurity in our life. I mean, I've mentioned to you, I got some that are just, are wicked. Like Jenny, every now and then, will have to just look at me and say, I promise you, that's, that's Satan's voice attacking you at your weakest insecurity, Chuck. And, and thank God for it, because I've got them. Don't you? I mean, some of us, it's about how we look. Some of us, it's about how we talk. Some of it is about our education. Some of it is about our income. Some of it is about how, you know, it's all kinds of things. Daddy issues and mommy issues and parent issues and grandparent issues and everything we could imagine. And yet, Jesus says, I want you to live without that fear. I've come to give you the ability to follow me as, my, as your good shepherd to a place where you don't have to fear. You know what I've realized? That kids fear the doctor. Adults fear the doctor bills. Kids fear bad dreams and adults fear unfulfilled dreams. What I've realized is that kids fear strangers and adults fear anxiety. Kids fear clowns and adults, well, they fear clowns too. But all of this is proof that no matter how old we get, we're never alone in our fears. Everyone has the fear of the unknown. 
And as we end 2020, that, that uncertainty isn't slowing down. Is there a way to avoid the downward spiral that comes with anxiety and worry and fear? In a world as chaotic as this one in 2020, you can definitely find a way to replace uncertainty with certainty, but you only, you are only hope in doing that to go from uncertain to certain, to go from insecurity to security, to go from fear to peace is only found when we choose to let him be the good shepherd in our life and allow us to find the security of walking in him. When we are in him and he is in us, we have great security. What is that security? That he will never leave us, he will never ever forsake us and he will walk with us and us with him from now all the way to perfection found in heaven. What are the things that threaten your security? Maybe it's your health, or maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a lack of kids, maybe it's COVID-19, maybe it's the approval of others, maybe it's some hidden insecurity that you've never fessed up. But now watch this. Listen to the promise of God at Christmas. Then his people will live there undisturbed. That's what the New Living says that I like to preach out of. But the NIV says it this way. They will. Who's they? The people of God. The people who've chosen to follow Christ. What will they do? They will dwell in security. They will dwell in security, meaning they will live in security. Why is it that we attach our life to Christ so that we can live in security. Why do we attach it to him specifically? He's our good shepherd. When you check out the reason why you will be secure, then you know in Micah 5, for he will be highly honored around the world, or as other translations would put it, he shall be great to the ends of the earth, meaning there is no place that God is not in control. There is no place and no circumstance that God cannot hold you secure. There is nothing happening in your world that the good shepherd can't lead you through. But watch this. He may not lead you around it and probably won't lead you around it. He will lead you through it. Why? Because if we went around it, we would lay claim that we avoided it. If God walks you through it, you have nothing to do but to give him praise. One amen, just one. I am begging you for one amen. Amen. When you look deeper, you'll discover this truth that from the beginning we see the glimpse of the end. To live in security, what a promise. No fear of your ultimate demise. He will keep you and he will keep you secure. When it comes to the scariest thing of the unknown, it's death. I mean, Neil, between the two of us, we've done hundreds and hundreds of funerals. And one thing that we can say with certainty, when you know that that person in the box is a follower of Jesus, you can make this promise with every certainty in the world. That's not that man or woman because they would have instantly left this world to be in the presence of the one holding them scared. So why wouldn't I choose the good shepherd? Why wouldn't I choose his security, and the third promise, that he will be our peace. Why in the world wouldn't I choose peace over chaos? Verse 5 puts it this clearly, and he will be the source of peace. Once again, who's the he? Jesus. Jesus will be the source of our peace because the peace that passes human understanding is no other than Jesus himself. But that goes, watch this, that goes beyond our emotions. It goes soul deep. So you can't live spiritually healthy when you live on your emotions. 
Emotion is what causes us in a, in a song that we like to go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. But the peace that passes human understanding causes us in the middle of our conference room where we've underperformed according to our boss on a Tuesday afternoon at four on the Tuesday before Christmas to be able to say, ah, oh, I know he has me. That's not emotion. That is certainty. Emotion can change like a flash. Certainty doesn't move. But it goes beyond that. We can't have peace with God without the forgiveness of sin. But God provides a way through the promised Savior, Jesus. Jesus came so that he could offer forgiveness. And with forgiveness, he could become our good shepherd. He could become our security. And he would give us his gift of peace. So why would Jesus come to do that? So that he could die be buried and raised from the dead to pay the punishment for our sin, yours and mine. You say, but wait a minute, Chuck. You mean Jesus came to do that? Absolutely. Because you see, there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And there was no blood left to shed that could take care of the world apart from God's perfect spotless lamb. Who is that? Jesus. So when Jesus spread his arms and let those nails go into his flesh and his blood poured out, that blood was given for the forgiveness of your sin and mine. Come on, that is why we have security. That is why he's our good shepherd. That is why we can walk in peace. And that is why you ought to choose him. But if you don't, he's not going to force himself on you. Jesus, he may whack you across the head to remind you, but he's not going to force himself on you. The promised Savior ushers in every other promise of God at Christmas. Jesus, the only one. Two chapters later in Micah, beginning in verse 18, it says this, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his special people? Who are those special people? People who ask him for the forgiveness of their sins. So, Chuck, you're saying that based on that Old Testament prophecy in the New Testament world, I can call on Jesus and I can ask him for the forgiveness of my sins and he'll be my good shepherd. He'll give me the security and he'll give me peace. And I'm saying yes, 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 and yes. And this is why you choose Jesus. This is why he came. The promise of Jesus is that we can have peace with God. We can have peace in our life. We can have peace in our relationships. You say, well, I don't believe I can ever have peace with him. You can have peace within even when you may not be at peace with them. And that's where some of us have got to come to agreement. Because there's some folks out there you're never going to be at peace with, but your heart can be at peace with the Lord and he can give you peace. But you got to choose him. You say, well, Chuck, there's no better week to pick Jesus than Christmas, right? Right. Because his promise is that he'll be our shepherd. His promise is that he'll give us security. His promise is that he'll give us peace. That God will meet every single need when we just call on his name. You say, well, Chuck, how, how do I call on his name? I mean, that's such a preacher talk thing to do. I, how in the world do you call on the name of Jesus? Well, watch this. I had to ask the same question. Don't, don't feel like you don't know the Bible because you don't get that. I mean, who in the world knows how to talk to God, right? Can I just say here, the greatest way to talk to God is the way you talk to anybody, God. You say, well, how do I know he's there? He's everywhere. I mean, there's no place you can go. God's not. 
There's no place you can hide from God. I mean, the scripture says everywhere. So you just talk to God and you say, say, God. Thanks for sending Jesus to die for me, to shed his blood for me, to be buried in that old tomb for me, to three days later shape off the, shake off those burial cloths and push that rock out of the way and live and hang around for 40 days so that more than 400 people could witness your resurrection. And then thank you for going to heaven to sit by the right hand of God the Father right now and you're praying for me right now. Thank you for creating a heaven for me when I choose you and I'm calling on your name right now. And God, I don't even know what all that means, but I'm calling on your name right now. If you're watching online and this is the greatest discovery you'll ever have, this is the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever get. It's the Christmas that never, ever stops. And if you're in this room and you say, Chuck, I need to settle that. I I don't want to make this easy for you, okay? I mean, I'm I'm so sick and tired of, you know, just weak-kneed preacher types saying, close your eyes and hide and all that kind of foolishness. Listen, Jesus died in public for you, friend. He went all out. Man, he didn't sprain his ankle for you. He died for you. And he did it in front of the world as they spat on him and cursed him. So in public today, if you say, Chuck, that's what I want. I want him to be my good shepherd. Right now, I want him to be my security. And right now, I want him to bring me peace into my life because I'm calling on his name with everybody looking. I just want you to raise your hand right now and join me. Anybody? Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. There is nothing. This is the greatest Christmas statement I think I've ever made. There is nothing that our God cannot do for you. I am living proof that God can take the most foolish things and allow them to be a part of something so cool with Him. I I have messed up my life in so many ways. I've made so many stupid decisions. I've hurt so many relationships over my years. And every time it's like I jumped off the cliff And Jesus wrapped that rope and he came down and he put me over his shoulders and he held my feet and he walked me back up and he brought me to safety. And all I can say is, God, thank you. You still love me. Friend, listen, he still loves you. He didn't care where you've been, what you've done or what you've become. He just still loves you. And all he wants you to do is walk with him. There's nothing our God cannot do. Lord, I love you. We love you. God, we literally just say, open up the heavens and pour on us your presence and your power and your goodness and your grace. Overwhelm us that you are our good shepherd, that every security we have in you overwhelms every insecurity we humanly have. God, we trust you to bring us peace in the middle of this chaotic world. Let us be a presence of your peace 
own the throne of our heart and cause us to put you in the highest priority of our life so that we might know that we know that we know who we know and what we know that you are the redeemer and the savior of our life in this world that you came there is nothing that you can't do because of your power and your goodness and your grace and your mercy and all those things we ask in the name of Jesus our savior amen amen and amen worship with us before we go come on church come on church let's worship amen nothing come on church join us church come on church we'll praise the name and make some way there's nothing that our God can't do come on church come on get those fists going come on church When you let him go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight, he just smiles and says, come on, let's go. When you let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment, that Jesus, why he looks at you and says, listen, child, I'm always good and you're always love. Come on. And that Jesus, When life gets difficult and dark, he comes around behind you and you let him, he will pick you up and he will carry you. Like we said a minute ago, not around your mess. (laughs) He knows we take credit for it. So he walks us through it. And about halfway, you're thinking, come on, Jesus, I'm dying here. And he's saying, I got you. I'm your good shepherd. I got you, you're safe with me. I've got you. I'm going to set you down victoriously on your two feet at peace. Wipe away your tears. Kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so he can say to you, his brother and sister, my child, say it with me. I love you. I wish y'all go buy a bunch of junk in that store. Help us send some kids some money. And you know what else? I love y'all. I'll see you Christmas Eve. God bless you.